Hi! You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about the right and wrong way to approach an argument and evidence that dogs really do want to rescue you. We'll also answer a listener question about how blind people dream. Let's satisfy some curiosity. When you argue, what's your main goal? If you're just trying to, quote-unquote, win the argument, you might be doing arguments wrong. And I don't just mean you're making family dinners unpleasant. According to research, you might be changing the way you understand the issue at hand. So get ready to learn how to argue. Now, in a 2016 study, Yale researchers identified two main mindsets a person can take during an argument, arguing to learn and arguing to win. When you argue to learn, you're focused on cooperating with the other person to better understand the topic. When you argue to win, though, your sole focus is winning the argument. No matter how much it costs or how many logical fallacies you have to make, you must defeat the other person in the argument. So, big deal, right? Of course you want to win when you argue. Isn't that the whole point? Well, the researchers found that when people argue to win... They see the issue as an objective one, with a single right answer. They become more resistant to alternative explanations and ideas, and those alternatives could be the real truth. For the study, researchers paired up people who strongly disagreed on some hot-button issues. Hot-button as in same-sex marriage, teaching evolution in schools, legalizing marijuana, and abortion. Four topics I'm pretty sure I avoided like the plague when I was on air in 12 years working in major market radio. But the researchers had participants talk about them with each other in a chat room. Bold. Half of the participants were told that the goal of the chat would be to argue their position and win, while the other half was told to learn as much as they could. Later, the participants were asked questions to measure their level of objectivism, like whether they agreed with the statement If people have opposing views on a topic, at least one side must be wrong. And after five studies, the researchers concluded that people change how they evaluate the truth based on the goal of their argument. When people argue to learn, they're less objectivist and more open to alternative points of view. But when people argue to win, they see topics through an objectivist lens as black and white, good or bad, and right or wrong. And since research suggests that our political debates are becoming more combative and focused on winning, it's possible that our views on controversial topics are becoming more stubborn. It might feel automatic to argue to win when you care deeply about something, but this study suggests that arguing to learn benefits everyone in the end. It can lead people to seek out more knowledge and make better arguments. It can be uncomfortable, but if it's the truth you're after, it's worth it. Would your dog save you from a burning building? Or if you were trapped beneath rubble? I mean, we all like to think so, but now we have some evidence. A new study says your dog probably would try to save you. Lassie! (laughs) Exactly. Here's the proof. Scientists had 60 dog owners bring their pets into the lab. None of the dogs had been trained in rescue. They were just normal, everyday pooches. 
The owners were asked to sit inside a box made out of a metal dog crate, which was covered in pegboard on all sides but the door, which was missing. In its place, the researchers placed a large piece of foam board, which was designed to be easy for the dogs to move aside. Next, the researchers told the owners to cry for help in the most convincing voice they could muster. They could yell help or help me, but they couldn't call out their dogs' names. That way, they could make sure the dogs weren't acting out of obedience. Then, the researchers left the room and waited to see if the dog opened the box to save their owner. The same experiment was repeated in two other ways. In one condition, the same owner sat inside the box but calmly reading aloud. That tested how the owner's emotional state affected the dog's behavior. In another, the dog just had to retrieve food from the empty box. That would demonstrate whether the dog was actually capable of opening the box. Every dog went through all three experiments in random order. So what happened? Well, in the rescue condition, 20 of the 60 dogs successfully rescued their owners. That's a third. That may not seem like a lot until you take the other experiments into account. 19 dogs retrieved food from the box. 19. More dogs figured out how to rescue their owners than to retrieve food. That means that way more dogs may have wanted to rescue their owners. They just didn't know how. When the researchers only looked at how many dogs were able to both retrieve the food and rescue their owners, the rescue rate shot up to 84%. What's more, the dogs showed signs of distress when their owners were distressed. More dogs whined or barked when their owners were crying for help than when they were reading. So if you've always felt an emotional bond with your dog, consider this a win. Your dog would probably run into a burning building to save you. If they could just figure out how. I told a friend of mine about this study and she immediately tried to test it out on her own dog. <laughs> she like hid somewhere and pretended to cry and her dog got like freaked out and immediately tried to save her. She said another time her husband was just playing around with her and pretending to vacuum her. And, you know, her dog is incredibly afraid of the vacuum. But when her husband was trying to vacuum her and she was sort of expressing displeasure in that, even though her dog was super afraid of the vacuum, he tried to rescue her. It was so cute. Nice. I mean, whether you're a dog person or not, you've got to admit how much dogs love food. And if dogs are rescuing their owners more than food, I, I mean, there it is right there. That's science. We got a listener question from Akash who asks, do blind people have dreams? Great question, Akash. The answer is a resounding yes. Blind people do have dreams. They're just different than those of sighted people. Like, as a sighted person, I dream mostly in images. Usually my dreams have sounds, and sometimes they have touch sensations, but I don't ever recall dreaming of a smell or a taste. You might be different. Studies find that on average, sighted people's dreams contain visual images almost 100% of the time, sounds 40-60% to 60 of the time, tactile sensations 15-30% to 30 of the time, and tastes and smells less than 1% of the time. That's all to say that even for sighted people, dreams are made up of many different sensory experiences. So it makes sense that studies examining how blind people dream also find a variety of sensory experiences, just different ones. For a study like this published in 2014, Danish researchers got four weeks worth of dream journals from 50 adults. 11 were blind from birth, 14 became blind later in life, and the rest were sighted controls. Specifically, right after waking from a dream, the participants would fill out a questionnaire, either by typing or using text-to-speech software. 
The questionnaires asked about their dreams' sensory impressions, emotional content, and general themes. None of the participants who had been blind from birth reported having any dreams that contained visual content. For those who went blind later in life, the longer they had lived without sight, the less visual imagery their dreams contained. But that's about what they didn't dream. What did they dream? Well, 86% of the blind participants reported hearing sounds in their dreams, compared with only 64% of the sighted controls. Nearly 70% of them reported tactile sensations, compared to 45% of controls. Nearly 30% reported smells, compared with 15% of controls. And about 18% reported tastes, compared with just 7% of controls. But otherwise, the dreams were pretty much the same between blind and sighted dreamers. They all reported dreaming about the same number of successes and failures, quantity of social interactions, and range of emotions. The one big difference was in the number of nightmares. A whopping 25% of participants who were blind from birth had at least one nightmare, compared to just 6% of controls. The researchers think this may be because nightmares are believed to be evolution's way of rehearsing for threats, and blind people generally face more risks going about their lives than sighted people do. So there you have it. Sighted people dream with the senses they use in their waking life, and blind people do too. Thanks for your question, Akash. If you have a question, send it in to podcast at curiosity.com or leave us a voicemail at 312-596-5208. Before we recap what we learned today, here's a sneak peek at what you'll hear next week on Curiosity Daily. Next week, you'll learn about whether the summer will help or hurt the coronavirus, what happens to your brain after a breakup, and how archaeologists mapped an entire Roman city underground without digging. You'll also learn about why the future of medicine is bright, thanks to wearable technology and AI analytics, in our interview with the dean of the Stanford University School of Medicine, Dr. Lloyd Miner. As for right now, let's recap what we learned today. Well, we learned that you shouldn't argue to win, you should argue to learn, because research shows that everyone will benefit. You might even be able to have a civil conversation with all your relatives the next time you get together for the holidays. Whenever that is. <laughs> right. We also learned that dogs may be more likely to try to save you than they would be to save their food. They truly are man's best friend. A cat wouldn't do that. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming from a cat person, too, so it must be true. We also learned that people dream in many of the same ways, regardless of whether they're blind or sighted. The research suggests that people who are blind from birth tend to have more nightmares, possibly because we think nightmares are evolution's way of rehearsing for threats. By the way, I found the greatest YouTube channel if you are curious about what it's like to be blind. It's called the Tommy Edison Experience, and it's hosted by a blind man named Tommy Edison. And he basically just answers all the questions that you might have about a blind person, like, how do you know what colors are? What's the difference between being born blind and becoming blind later in life? And like, how do you describe a baseball? It's it just it's really cool. He's just like a bubbly personality. And I want to be his friend. Nice. We'll put a link to that in today's show notes. Today's stories were written by Ashley Hamer and Kelsey Donk and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Have a great weekend. And if you're one of our American friends, we wish you a safe and happy Independence Day. Remember not to blow off too many fireworks. You don't want to scare your dog. This will save your life. <laughs> Join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. <laughs>